Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. Every now and then I review some basic concepts and today I'm going to do that plus build on it with some advanced concepts. Alhamdulillah, I have a very informed audience and giving you these advanced concepts is going to up-level your self-coaching and your mind management. So there is a basic life formula that I teach, which is a simple rendering of everything that happens in this world on a physical and a metaphysical level. It is abbreviated as CTFAR, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. Everything in life happens in one of these five categories. It also happens at the metaphysical level. Now, you might be wondering what's the difference between the physical and the metaphysical formula. So think about it as layers going from top to bottom. The bottommost layer is the physical world, which is the cosmos, our results and outcomes that we generate based on our actions, our actions. Also, our soul belongs in this physical world while it is bound in this earthly body. After death, soul travels to the metaphysical world. That is the next level, or the next layer. Metaphysical world consists of thoughts. Nobody has ever seen or touched a thought, but they do experience it. Some people consider feelings to be metaphysical. I think they're somewhere between physical and metaphysical because experiences or sensations in our body related to feelings are a result of neurochemicals in our body. Other metaphysical entities include angels, day of judgment, and again, our soul travels to this realm after death. Above and beyond all of this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who created everything between these two worlds. Why I make this distinction is going to become clear during this podcast. But for now, let's go back to the CTFAR. The C stands for circumstances, which is everything that is outside of us. And everything outside of us is always out of our control and always neutral by definition. By neutral, I mean it does not provoke a meaning by its inherent nature. We assign it meaning. By neutral, it also means that it does not give us a feeling until we have a thought about it. Everything outside of your thoughts is a circumstance, and by definition, neutral. And a lot of people question that. They ask me, is even death neutral? And I say yes, because death of somebody that I know will not have the same effect on you, and vice versa. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from these tests. So if death caused thoughts, then everyone would have same thoughts. But death, being a circumstance, does not cause thoughts. Our mind causes them. Circumstances include our past, our relationships, our work, our finances. Now up until this point, that has so far been the review. If I am to build on this concept, I will also teach you that anything that you can observe is a circumstance. That will include your thoughts and your feelings. Meaning, if you are to scan your body during the day to figure out how is it that you're feeling, and you identify a certain area in your body that is experiencing anxiety, You've just applied observation to it. Anxiety became a circumstance. Our thoughts are also a circumstance through the power of metacognition. That is our ability to think about our thoughts. Anything that is an object of observation is by definition neutral, meaning we can make it mean whatever we want. Most of the time, we are assigning meanings to these neutral objects through default pathways of our brain, which are our primal self pathways the animalistic self. 
the up-leveling game here is to assign meaning with a higher, more conscious pathway. That brings me to talk about the conscious and the subconscious mind. So, human beings carry two different types of brain. In general, the left and the right brain. The left brain is more logical, the right brain is more creative. Neither one of these themselves constitute as a higher or the lower brain. So, for example, our primal brain would consist of the limbic system, or animalistic brain. That in itself technically is not a lower brain. Because if thoughts originating from the limbic system served us in the moment, then technically they were for a higher purpose. Then in that moment, our limbic system served as the higher brain. But that seldom happens. That only belongs in moments when fight and flight reactions are necessary. Like saving your life. Like if you're being mugged and you have to run. So the amygdala in itself is not the lower brain. If it gives you a result that helps your goal of staying alive, then technically it functioned as a higher brain or the more soulful brain because in that moment that's what you needed. So the higher brain isn't one structure. The higher brain is the origin of thoughts that gave you the results you wanted to reach your goal. Most of the time that higher brain consists of the right side of the brain or the more creative side. Sometimes it consists of the logical brain. Or the left side. So think of higher and lower brain on a vertical axis. Higher brain being at the top and lower brain being at the bottom. Now moving on to the difference between conscious and subconscious thoughts. Our conscious thoughts are intentional, meaningful sentences that we tell ourselves before we set out to do something. These are sentences that we're aware of. Most of our mind consists of subconscious thoughts. Think of conscious and subconscious on a horizontal axis. Conscious being on the right side and subconscious being on the left. Most of the language gets programmed into our subconscious out of the need of efficiency by our brain because it is an extremely efficient machine. Subconscious in itself is not bad. Subconscious in itself does not comprise the primal brain, but more default primal thoughts get programmed into the subconscious if we are not careful. So our job is to bring them into consciousness, reprogram them, and then program them back into subconscious. I hope this is making sense because this is a very important difference. When it comes to thoughts in the CTFAR formula, this model also gives us room to interpret thoughts in many other ways, including thoughts being our whole nervous system, meaning this is the antenna that we perceive the world with. This includes the nervous system that is in our gut. This also includes the nervous system that is in our heart. And these are more recent discoveries, as put forward by polyvagal theory and other theories like that. When you have a gut feeling, but you can't really put into language what it is that your body is trying to say, the nervous system of your gut trying to tell you something. Those types of thoughts can also be brought into consciousness with some practice. And they're also always part of our T-line or our thoughts. So, in summary, the thoughts consist of conscious and subconscious thoughts, higher brain and lower brain, and it also consists of the information collected from other nervous systems of our body. Because all of those create an internal experience or internal environment, which are our feelings, which is the next line in the formula. So, when it comes to our feelings, these are neurochemicals that are experienced as sensations in our body. 
all emotions carry sensations. Not all sensations carry emotions. If you are observing and investigating an emotion, you're basically putting it in the circumstance line and figuring out what it is that you're making it mean. Most of us are usually in judgment of our anxiety, which never lets us process it, which makes us box it in, and in turn it becomes bigger and bigger. So it becomes very important for us to introspect and investigate to see how we're feeling, the science of muraqaba in Islam. That way, after we figure out what we're feeling, we can give it language. We can make it mean something that is constructive for us, something that doesn't pull us down. We can question why is anxiety there? Do I have to create anxiety with the language? Or can I make it mean something constructive? Language is directly from Allah. It is of metaphysical origin. Like I told you, thoughts are metaphysical. Language creates feelings. And unlike animals, humans have the capability of assigning language to their internal experiences. While keep in mind, when I teach you these concepts, I am making a clear distinction between thoughts and feelings, mind and the body. And that is intentional, not because these are two different entities, which they're actually not, and sometimes this can be a very difficult concept to grasp. What I'm saying is mind and body are always working in sync. They are one entity. But the reason I separate them is because through centuries of programming, we have separated mind from the body. This is the Cartesian model. And through this separation, a lot of us are not in touch with how we feel. So I have to train myself and everyone that I coach to help identify these entities and then eventually integrate them. Coaching with thoughts and feelings and a mind-body combined experience again constitutes for a more holistic approach. This is the Islamic point of view. And this is referred to as the qalb of the human being or the core. After the feelings comes the action line or the A from CTFAR. Actions are visible actions that we take on a daily basis including making a cup of coffee, getting into a car, driving to work, or invisible actions that we take with our brain, which is more thoughts and feelings and spinning in our head. It also includes inactions, like sometimes we just don't feel like getting out of bed if we're feeling upset or sad or frustrated about something. Staying in bed is an inaction, also a result of a feeling. Our feelings fuel all of our actions, including our inactions depending on what energy our feeling is providing us in that moment. And the most beautiful part of this whole paradigm is that our feelings are in our control through our thoughts. Therefore, our actions are in our control. Which means our results, which is the last line of this formula, CTFAR, R for results, our results are also in our control. Your results will always prove your thoughts. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you make it mean that you can't do something, that the result will be that you will not be able to do it. If you are able to believe that you can make it work, then with practice and effort, you will eventually make it work. And then the result will be that you can do something. This power of manifestation is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. We ourselves are incapable of manifesting these results on our own. We as a human species are dependent on this mercy of Allah. One question that I get asked very frequently is how much of the results are we creating and how much of the results are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And the answer depends on 
what is your energy behind your actions? If your energy is action and always doing, doing, doing over and over again, then you've taken Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of the picture, which of course is not the believer's way. But if you're taking action with the faith that you're doing it for the sake of Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help enhance your results, then the results we get are exponentially more than what our minds can create alone. And this is the power of faith, and this is the power of dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need our actions to manifest our dua. We need our actions. But when you make dua and you take actions, like your dua has been answered, the results will be exponential because they will have barakah in it. They will have a mathematical power behind them that is going to be an extremely merciful outcome. So yes, human beings can generate results from their minds. There are people that are non-believers in the world who believe in the power of manifestation and have created an incredible amount of success with it. But that is to stay in this world. For us as believers, it is our duty to believe in the metaphysical, in the afterlife, and have faith that Allah will reward me for my pure intentions and actions. Your unrelenting belief in the power of Allah, your persistent action despite of immediate results, and your pure energy behind your actions, which is the fuel, the feelings, and the dedication from service, compassion, excitement, joy, gratitude. If you have all of these energies behind your actions and you're making dua, then your result will be exponentially more than what you expected just from your actions alone. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in all of our actions and results. Persistent action is very different from workaholism. When your identity is tied to your work and your results, you have left barakah behind. You're going to feel burned out. But with faith, you know that it doesn't matter what the results are. All you have to do is continue to believe and take persistent actions without stress, without overwhelm. Then the result become metaphysical, something that is out of your wildest imagination, something that is directly from Allah. So the clients will always ask me, am I doing too much? If you're asking that question, chances are that you are in hustle energy. All you have to do is to take persistent action with positive open emotions that you can create from your thoughts. And those thoughts can be, these actions are for the sake of Allah. The result is going to be from Allah. I have complete tawakkul or belief in Allah's power. Then another objection I frequently face is that isn't rizq written for everyone? Nobody can earn more or less than what's written for them. And again, this question drives me insane because how do you know what is written for you? How do you know the dollar amount that is written for you? You actually don't. You don't know if you have a million dollars written in your risk. The difference lies with what you are assuming. What are your thoughts? Are you bringing your limiting beliefs and calling it your risk that Allah wrote for you? This depends on your conviction behind your goal. Because we say we are 100% committed to our goals, but we are actually applying limitations of our mind in our thoughts and actions and saying that my risk is written for me. What will happen will happen. Most of the time, these limiting beliefs are society's opinions that we've internalized for ourselves. So again, how much work do we put in? Do we keep doing work? 
and it depends on how big your goal is, how committed you are to obtaining that result. A lack of immediate result does not mean that it wasn't written for you. Where do we draw the line of quitting and assuming that this is what was written for me versus keep taking action saying that this is a faith-building exercise? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is building my character through testing me. And answer that question is again a balancing act. How do you feel when you are working? Are you hustling? Are you losing sight of the big picture? Are you losing sight of the highest level of intention that this is for Allah? In which case, the outcome won't really matter. Whatever the outcome is, it is then up to you to make it mean what you want. You can make it mean that this was all it was written for me in my risk and really be quitting and calling it Qadr. Or you can make it mean that I can go as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs me to go while not sacrificing your faith and your spirituality and your religious obligations. Check in with your intentions and your body's experience of what it's feeling. If the intention is that this is purely for Allah, then why the stress? There'd be no need to stop working. You just continue to take action, continue to believe, continue to make dua until you have the result with a capital R, the result of the metaphysical origin, the result with barakah, something more than what you expected, and you will know your dua is answered. You can create a result with your mind, but the ultimate outcome is from Allah. Sometimes what helps me is imagining that there are two models happening side to side in my life. If I want a certain result in my business, then I will purify my intentions. I will not make a circumstance mean anything limiting about myself. I will increase my feeling to a highest level of experience. I will align myself with the highest of intentions and keep taking action knowing that this is all for Allah. So the outcome is really inconsequential. But I do use the result and the outcome to evaluate where I need to strengthen my belief and where I need to empower my dua even more. Next time you find yourself saying, this was written in my risk, ask yourself, how do you know a million dollars was not written in your risk? You actually don't. If you give yourself a goal big enough to put a cap of what you're capable of believing, you will be applying a limiting belief to Allah's capacity. You will say that this much is written in my risk. And the real breakthrough comes with lifting that limitation. I hope this was a helpful concept for all of you. And if it doesn't click right away, that's okay. I want you to come back to this topic and figure out where your blocks were and where you can address them. With that, inshallah, I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lift all of our blocks of our mind. He helps us strengthen our belief and strengthen the power of our du'as. Oh Allah, please make us people of success in this world and the next. Please keep me in your du'as. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.